Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. XFL Week 1, Final Thoughts. And, and let me do a little bit of a disclaimer here because there's 250 or so of you that maybe you're rewatching, already probably watched this video. And, and I, I shot a video earlier today, a couple hours it was up, on the final thoughts. I shot it actually last night. I'm recording this now Thursday afternoon. I shot it around Wednesday evening or so, scheduled to go out Thursday morning. And we get two to three depth charts officially releasing. And on those depth charts, there was some very surprising news as opposed to the video, if you did see it earlier, and especially earlier in the week. And this news is going to shake up a lot of things. And it's very scary for week one because we still have four or five or so official depth charts we're waiting on. And based on all of the shuffling from this these first depth charts that are quote unquote unofficial slash official, um, there's a lot that's going to be changing. So I just want to make it very clear that by the time you're watching this, one or two of probably not the quarterbacks, but running backs, more than likely wide receivers, the biggest position, some of those starters are guys I have a lot of interest in, might not end up being starters. Some guys that I currently have no interest in because as of right now, there's not a lot of buzz. We haven't heard much about them, not much of really depth chart threats for being a starter. Maybe somebody's named a starter or a number one receiver that we weren't expecting in the low price range like we did get a lot of recently from the first couple of depth charts. All those updates will be on Patreon throughout the week. If you want to check it out over there, I do have a Patreon uh, with exclusive content and a bunch of different sports. I'm an independent content creator. If this is your first time meeting me, I imagine we'll get a little bit of a newer crowd with the XFL stuff. Feel free to hit that subscribe button. I greatly do appreciate that. Drop down in the comments and let me know, hey, is this your first time here or what you want to see more from the XFL stuff? But there's going to be continuous updates over on Patreon. And the biggest thing, Saturday morning or Saturday around 10 a.m. or so, before these games kick off, before the four-game slate starts for DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever it might be, I will be going live for an hour like I usually would do for the NFL. Occasionally, we'll be doing and have done once or twice already for the NBA. So make sure to check into that live stream. That'll be all of the depth charts hopefully out by then. We've got about 50% or so of the depth charts out as I record this. So just keep that in mind. I will try and post up down below. I will try to post a pinned tweet or not a pinned tweet, but also on my Twitter. I've been, I've been posting and updating about depth charts, so make sure to follow me there. But I'll, I'll try and pin up a comment to this YouTube video. If you're listening on the podcast, you can check out the YouTube video or my Twitter to give you any updates on maybe some players I had as yeses that now you shouldn't play at all. Uh, a couple of guys that I'll, I'll hit on throughout the show. That was the case. I had some three, four guys as yeses, and I was high on them. Then the depth charts release, and they're now listed as the fourth and fifth receivers instead of starters. And it was a running back that I had a lot of interest in, and now he's not even on the depth chart for most likely injury reasons, but we weren't really told why. So it's the wild, wild west right now in the XFL, mainly because it's 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 the week before week one. A lot of the stuff will get sorted out as we see players play on the field, and then we'll have a better scope of it moving forward. So buckle up. It's going to be a ton of value plays that are really going to be starters now. It's going to be a ton of people, just whoever has the best information is going to win. I aim to give you the best information here, but just know that if you're watching this on Friday night or Saturday morning, that you want to check in on my Twitter, you want to check in over on Patreon and definitely on Saturday morning stream to get the most up-to-date news. But as of right now, I'm going to give you what we have as of the information that I have currently on the East Coast at 12.45 p.m. East Coast time. That's a lot of a disclaimer at the front, but if you, if you are here, welcome. My name is Sal Vetri. Like I said, you might be new. If you hit the subscribe button, I greatly appreciate that. 
I do have a Patreon with exclusive content for NBA, PGA, and the XFL right now in season are those sports. So you can go ahead and check that out if you are indeed interested in signing up there. The Patreons, your content will be a closing thoughts podcast tomorrow, Tuesday recap show the previous week, and then updated tiers and rankings for every single position. So quarterback, running back, wide receiver uh, for the DraftKings slate where I have the most interest in. For this first week, it's going to be mainly going off of depth charts, reading a ton of news, very similar to the NFL preseason, two to three, four, five hours of news a day, trying to consume as much as I possibly can. And then after that, just being able to make a rankings off of that, taking into account these players' skills and the offenses that they're in and the coaching staff behind them. So with that said, if you could hit the subscribe button on the audio version, how those ears doing, and also here on the YouTube channel, I greatly appreciate it. And also, if you're still watching this on Thursday or Friday, be sure to check out my pinned tweet. Uh, You can enter a contest there doing one fantasy draft, pretty cool contest giveaway. So the biggest change, or not the biggest, but one of the biggest, maybe the biggest change from the previous video, Philip Walker, like an hour or two hours after I I recorded the video, was named the starter over Connor Cook. This was a surprise. It was was reported that Connor Cook pretty much for the training camps, the preseasons, that he was likely one, the bigger name, Philip Walker was the assigned quarterback. Each team got an assigned quarterback before the draft. And Philip Walker is somebody who's fun to watch. Um, racked up a ton of yardage just both on the ground and with his arm. Uh, very exciting player in college. And now he's going to have a chance to be in this June Jones air raid offense where they don't have any tight ends. They're going to go four wide and they're going to chuck the ball everywhere. And the biggest thing that's really impactful is you're going to be in likely the best offense or one of the best two Dallas and Houston profiling out as what seems like the best offenses both in Texas to start the year, but the best quarterback friendly offense with your coaching staff behind you. And now you're the starter at a cheap price point late in the week, name the starter. So a lot of people might not really gravitate towards Philip Walker as quickly. I was arguing and I have rankings up now, actually. So right here, I was arguing with myself earlier on the, the original video, if I would make Philip Rivers sort of a, a quarterback one this or Philip Walker, excuse me, a quarterback one this week, even though we don't really know what to expect. And I think the answer is yes. So I ended up putting Philip Walker above Cardell Jones and Matt McGloin. Those are my three yeses at quarterback so far this week, based on the news we have. Uh, And that's the rankings. Walker, Jones, and um, Matt McGloin for me. Walker, it's just a price point one. It's the upside of this offense when you factor in probably the best receiving corpse overall, at least on paper, heading into it. The um, coaching staff behind him. The price point in the midweek switch or or surprising sort of quarterback name um, of him, he's going to be my number one quarterback as of right now, Thursday afternoon. Carlo Jones will be number two, a steep price to pay, but you're going to have a ton of money left over because you'll see it's going to be like half the starting wide receivers this week on the outside, even in the slot are going to be in the 3k range, it seems. So a lot of those guys are going to give you value. Some of the running backs that are really good this week that I find really appealing are in the 6k range, even in the 7k range, it's still fine when you have those cheap wide receivers. So it's pretty easy to get up to a, I would say, a, a very sustainable quarterback. Now, the thing with Cardell Jones in the offense for DC is they're pretty decent-sized favorites in this one. So I think he's the best quarterback. I think he has by far the best arm in the XFL, maybe the most versatile, but if not the most versatile, a very versatile quarterback. Um, they traded Trey McBride, who now is a, 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 a not on this team anymore, but is now not even going to be starting. And we'll talk about that for Rashad Ross, which is a perfect fit for Cardell Jones, getting him from the AAF. But there's now murmurs over the last two or three days or so that Rashad Ross might not even be a starter on this team. So the XFL already getting pretty wild, I would say. Um, So no news yet on Rashad Ross. I actually bumped him down in the wide receiver rankings. He was in my top 10. Now he's right around the top 10 or outside of it. At the price point, it's easy to pass up on, especially with these question marks. So Cardinal Jones wide receivers, if anything, are a little bit murky right now. We'll go through some of them that I think offer a lot of value if indeed some of these rumors are true. Um, But his coach is Andrew Luck's former coach at the Indianapolis Colts. So that's good to see as well. They don't profile out exactly the same, but similar build quarterbacks 
Um, that's the type of um, upside that you're looking for when it comes to coaching. Matt McGloin's my number three quarterback, and I think he can go very under the radar. Against this very same Tampa Bay defense in the preseason, he had a couple of picks, but he threw three touchdown passes. He has a smaller offensive line, which isn't great, but he's one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the league. Former Penn State Nittany Lion was fine there, one of their best quarterback options, really, um, during his time before Trace McSorley came, maybe even one of the top three best quarterback options there, top two. Uh, and then he went to Oakland, started, I believe, a Thanksgiving game in the NFL. So he has experience. His wide receivers are injured. I mean, their number one overall pick um, was, I believe, Yancey out of LSU. He was a, a former Packers draft pick, really didn't uh, cement into anything or, or develop into anything with the Packers, really just a preseason guy, depth chart, and then was out of the NFL. This ha- this team has a lot of running backs, and they're going to likely be a mixture of run-heavy, um, especially with these injuries to wide receivers. So uh, their running backs coach and, and their offensive coordinator are very run-focused in the past. They've had a running back coach who, for the Giants, had two 1,000-yard rushers in 2005. So do keep an eye on uh, Matt McGloin. I think he's very interesting at this price point. I think he has the most upside and potential based on his just experience and the offense that he has around him. Week one just might be a tough week to kind of pinpoint that. And then two of my other quarterbacks that I like, Aaron Murray, if you remember in Georgia, he had a great career in college. He's facing a very good defensive back unit in New York. I would say the best in the league, one of the two best in the league at, at worst. He cemented in as the quarterback. He has some mobility. Um, they lost Antonio Callaway about a week ago. So that's a big knock. Former Cleveland Brown um, dealing with injuries, suspensions, personal problems for pretty much his, his past year, year and a half trying to get into the NFL. The defense does scare me here. So that's why I have him a little bit lower. They did stonewall Aaron Murray in this Tampa Bay Vipers offense in the preseason game. And then Jordan Tayama was very interesting to me. Um, I have him as fifth behind Murray. You can argue with me that you could put him fourth. You could argue with me that you would put him sixth or seventh. So Tayama was interesting because he, he won the quarterback battle late in the season and really very recently against Tanner he- uh, Taylor Heineke, a former NFL backup quarterback. He started for the Panthers before, um, filling in for Cam Newton and some other injuries. But you have a spot where Jordan Tayama is mobile. He's going to go up against an undersized defensive line. So that helps his mobility and ability to just find receivers. He's inexperienced out of Old Miss. This is probably like an NFL stepping stone for him if he can do well here. Um, he has strong backups behind him. So that makes him a little bit more risky if he does struggle during the game. So it, it's interesting because you might see a run heavy approach here. The problem there is if they get down big early, which Vegas is projecting right now, and we don't know how much to trust Vegas with these lines early in the week, but. If that's the case, he might be forced to throw, maybe somewhat of a sleeper, but with Philip Walker now opening up for just so much cheaper and a better offense, it's hard to want to get there. So once again, my quarterback's rankings right now are Philip Walker, Carl Jones, Matt McGloin, Aaron Murray, and Jordan Tamu. I will point out that Josh Johnson and Landry Jones are both 50-50 game times decisions. Two of the best quarterbacks are at least on paper, high profile, marketable quarterbacks in this league. Josh Johnson at 10,700. Seems like he's leaning not to play based on the reports that came out yesterday. I don't have much interest in him at that price point. Anyways, Landry Jones at 9,200, I would have a good amount of interest in. So keep an eye on him. He said he's going to try and practice and play this week. We haven't really seen much of that as of Thursday. I would expect both of these guys not to play, which is not a good look for the XFL in week one, but at least it's happening in week one where people are already hyped about it. I think the XFL's marketing team has actually done a very good job. Now, I don't really have any interest in in BJ Daniels who beat out, I believe, Brandon Silvers in Seattle. Philip Nelson would start for Landry Jones at 8,300. I would just still prefer Philip Walker, a backup who's cheaper in a better offense. Um, you do have, in some situations, very interesting backup quarterbacks, like Taylor Heineke, we talked about Tyree Jackson behind Cardell Jones, but that's something that we'll look at later in the season if there's any QB question marks. Right now, this is where I'm at with quarterback. 
Again, be sure to check the pinned comment and my Twitter for anything uh, that does change. Getting into running backs now, and I'll point out the biggest thing for running backs that was was brought up at least recently. Uh, Lance Dunbar was not on the depth chart, somebody that I hyped up and a lot of people have been hyping up if um, just in NFL talent and a lot of people have been hyped up um, would be just former Cowboy, good pass catching role. He did say that he was injured and there was reports that he was injured, but was going to play this week, not on the depth chart. Now, the depth chart, I should point out there um, for you that the depth chart for this team in Dallas right now was one that the Renegades was one that wasn't officially reported by the team, but there's a couple other XFL reporters that said this is the official depth chart as of February 3rd, and he was not on it. He was not even listed as the running back three. They just had two running backs and obviously Cameron Arnest Payne and then Young behind him. No Lance Dunbar. So very interesting. Maybe it was a blunder. We'll see moving forward. Maybe it's injury related. I don't know at this point. We have not gotten any clarity, but I've taken him out of my rankings. He was somebody who was in my top 10 in running back rankings. Now he has dropped out of the top 15. So this is my best effort to rank as of Thursday afternoon, where we only have half the depth charts to rank the top 15 running backs. Again, one of these running backs can be ruled out because of injury. We haven't gotten much good injury reporting news yet for week one. Another one of these running backs can be ruled out because they drop from number two to number four in the depth chart or number um, one to number two or three in the depth chart. And then they're not clearly a top 10 interest, right? So be sure to check all the things, like I said, Twitter, um, the Patreon, the pinned up uh, comment down below. I'll try and put as much as I can there. But my number one running back is Cameron Arnors Payne. Look, they're eight and a half point favorites. Lance Dunbar not being, <clears throat> or Lance Dunbar not being behind him now for whatever reason on the step chart also helps him with less experienced guys like Young behind him. Marquise Young. So 6,800 is too cheap. He's my favorite player uh, at the running back position this week. As of now, he's a former SEC running back, Panther running back, strong offensive line that they've built in Dallas for him. Um, He might lose some pass catching work. He was never really much of a pass catcher um, with his short stint in Carolina in his um, Auburn days in, in college was not the greatest of pass catchers either there. But he has some abilities, and with no Lance Dunbar, he's not as likely to come off the field. But with this spread of being an eight and a half point favorite, that does at least Vegas indicating. And again, we don't know how much to trust them, but if I'm going to trust anybody, it might be Vegas to just know and set lines when they win so much money every single um, month, millions of dollars. Now, they weren't great with the AAF, AAF, but that was mainly totals. And you can see they didn't really post any totals this week. I'll take it. Cameron Artist Payne, number one. Here's another one that's interesting. Christian Michael. Maybe the best running back in this league, the highest priced guy here. I don't have him as a yes, but I have him as my number two overall rank. He's expensive one. He's an eight and a half point underdog too. I expect high ownership on him. He had 26 career receptions in t- compared to his 256 career NFL carries when he was with both the Packers for a short stint and mainly the Seattle Seahawks. Different offenses that he was in at that time. Seattle more of a run heavy approach. Packers kind of just not really focusing on the run. So it's hard to really take his stats and his career numbers in the NFL and and think how stable they are based on the offense that he was in. In St. Louis, though, they're very very much like Seattle where they want to run the ball a ton. As big underdogs, they might have to get away from that a little bit. So at 8,400, yes, I think he's one of the best options, one of the best players in this league, but I think he's a little bit sketchy. I would not be just the next guy on this list is Elijah Hood in LA. I would not be worried if you wanted to put Elijah Hood as number two and Christian Michael is three, four or five, anywhere down there because of price. I'm trying to factor in price on these lists. Elijah Hood at number three for me. He, look, he was the number one pick for LA. He has by far the biggest O-line and the most dominant O-line in this league, in my opinion. Five and a half point underdog is concerning, but he did catch 25 passes in his junior year, which was his final year before leaving UNC in just 11 games. So he does have some upside there. He has some other fine backs behind him, but just based on where these, and I'll talk about one that I think has a much better pass catching role, but it's currently was the step chart did come out and was labeled the third string running back on the team. But um, he is already Elijah Hood named the starter that depth charge is already out. So I do feel secure at 7,500. 
The DC defender's depth chart is not out, but Donnell Pumphrey and Jarrell Presley aim to be a seven and a half point favorites, two of the better running back options this week. I have Pumphrey at number four and Presley as number five on my rankings. It's mainly a pricing thing. Pumphrey is $2,800 less and I expect him, again, we don't have the depth chart, but I expect him to be the number two running back and Presley to be the number one running back. That could honestly mean, especially when you have Pumphrey uh, in a loaded backfield, NCAA all-time rusher. He was the seventh pick in the draft. Presley was the third. So that's why I'm kind of expecting it to go that way. But Pumphrey, you might get 15 carries out of him and 15 out of Presley. And then you're getting a very nice price discount. Even if you get 12 out of Pumphrey and 18 out of Presley, it's a pretty decent price discount of 2,800. So I'll slightly give him the nod. Those are my top five running backs. Cameron Payne, Christian Michael and Elijah Hood, uh, Donald Pumphrey and Jarrell Presley. Devon Smith in Tampa Bay. He's a two-point favorite. I don't expect Tampa Bay to focus on running as much, but maybe they lean a little bit more balanced. That depth chart is out for Tampa Bay, one of the three that we have, one of the three official ones that we have. Uh, he is labeled as the starter, so I have him in here as number six at a nice price point of 6,300. He's in a loaded backfield, which is the issue, um, but he's listed as a starter. He had 35 receptions compared to his 361 rushing attempts of over 180 each of his last two years in college. He averaged about 4.5 yards per attempt there. He seems like he's just a guy who's going to be a workhorse here. Um, nothing flashy, just downhill runner. So I have him as number six, just because of the security of him being the starter. Lawrence Cook in New York. Again, I touched on it earlier, two and a half point underdog here, but New York is expected to be in some sort of committee. Their running backs coach, their offensive coordinator, very run focused. Running backs coach was the Giants running backs coach in 20, 2005 when they had two 1000 yard rushers. Lawrence Cook, I expect to be one of the top two in the depth chart. I'm going to project him to be number one on the depth chart. And then Darius Victor, number two. I'm not secure with that. You can get Cook being two and Victor three and somebody else one. We do not have a depth chart yet, but based on the pricing, based on what we've been seeing in the preseason and the reports that I've been seeing, that's what it's looking like right now. I have Lawrence Cook as number seven. Kenneth Farrow in a loaded backfield in Seattle. I have a couple of guys in Seattle in my top 11 right now because I think whichever ones are the one and two are the guys that you want, especially the guy who's number one. Kenneth Farrow was the highest drafted player. Again, seven and a half point dogs here is a little bit concerning for his pass catching responsibilities. He only had 22 receptions in 22 receptions in his last two years in college football compared to 371 attempts. So more of a downhill runner. Uh, he has a great offensive line loaded with SEC and Big Ten run movers. He was named a team captain, Farrow, whatever that means for you. I have him as number eight here. Again, we'll wait the depth chart. If he's number one on that depth chart, I'll leave him at eight. If he's number two or three behind Trey Williams and or Jaquan Garner, I'll move him down. I have Trey Williams, his teammate at number nine. So depending on where these guys come in, I'll have more interest. He's only 4,100. Look, he's was taken one pick before Kenneth Farrow in the draft. So he has more draft upside there for the depth chart, uh, depending on where it comes out. 38 receptions in three years and on just 204 carries at Texas A&M. He came out of Texas A&M. A little bit better of a pass catcher than Kenneth Farrow and a lot cheaper. Keep a very close eye on that depth chart. Darius Victor, I talked about the backup running back, at least how I'm projecting it, in New York behind Lawrence Cook. I have him at number 10. And now we're getting to a range of guys that I think can be very sneaky, depending on where they come in on their depth charts or just where the game flow goes. Number 11, I have Jaquan Garner. He was very good in the AAF. He had a total of around 75 total touches, 12 of those being receptions in seven games. He made this Seattle team without even having to practice. He was injured, but they just knew that he was that good. So Darius Garner is also on Seattle's depth chart. He might not even make the team, right? We don't know right now with the news, but, or might not make the depth chart. He might be injured. Who knows? But he could also be the number two running back. He was very good in the preseason, but they let everybody play in the preseason, but he had a long touchdown run, a couple of really long 25 plus yard runs. If Jaquan Garner is listed as the backup or somehow the number one running back in this offense for Seattle, that is a spot that I will have a lot of Jaquan Garner. He is probably their best pass catching option. And they're expected to be trailing in this one, according to Vegas. 
So I talked about how I like Elijah Hood, and it makes sense. He was drafted number one by them. Um, fantastic option, 7,500. Slight underdog is a concern. Larry Rose is the third running back on the depth chart. This is official for LA. Larry Rose, I have to say yes, because I think he's a very interesting dart throw if indeed this team gets down by a touchdown or so, like Vegas is projecting. Now he's number three in the depth chart, so maybe I'll move him from an AY to an X. I was hoping he might come in number two. He was the fifth pick in the draft by LA, though. He caught 133 balls at New Mexico State in four years. 55 of those came his senior year. I get it. It's a different type of division and conference in um, in New Mexico, really just a different conference. But again, 55 receptions in a year for a running back is unreal. As a five and a half point underdog, maybe he gets on the field more and is interesting as a dart throw. Now, I mentioned he's a number three running back on his team. Jawan Harris, who's a former now, 49ers angry May Packers running back in the NFL is actually ahead of him at number two. Jawan Harris is in his 30s, a little bit older, but he was always an average running back in the NFL, averaging over four yards per carry. Didn't really have an opportunity to catch a lot of passes, so I would not be shocked to see Larry Rose, the younger player, uh, jump him in the rotation pretty quickly, if not in this game. So you're going to get a lot more security out of Elijah Hood. I think Larry Rose is an interesting dart throw. D'Angelo Henderson has thir- my 13th ranked running back, probably the best option for Houston in their backfield. Andre Williams doesn't really catch passes. This team wants to throw the ball a ton. They don't really have any tight ends. Um, June Jones in his in his um, college career only threw the running backs 10% of the time. D'Angelo Henderson, probably the best pass catching option at 4,500. Seems a little bit steep, but depending on where he comes in on the depth chart, might be something that you actually uh, want to look at. I don't know why I have this as Jim Jones. It's June, but Last couple of options are just dart throws here. Sherman Batty, uh, St. Louis running back. Again, I think Christian Michael Michelle is the best option here. Michael, um, you have Sherman Batty, who's 3,100. He might not make the depth chart, but if you see him as the backup or even the third string, he's very similar to a Larry Rose where he had a lot of catches. Uh, he had 51 receptions in his last two years at Tulane, 296 rush attempts. So be sure to keep an eye on where he comes in on the depth chart if he comes in at all. Could be a sneaky gadget type player. And finally, Quentin Flowers was listed as the quarterback three instead of a running back for Tampa, although he is a running back. They're expecting him to be a very gadget style player at a price point of 3,900. I don't know if I really want to be playing around with him as a gadget style player when he's going to get what, maybe like six carries at best and just attempt a couple of passes. So I'm actually going to make him a no. He's my last ranked player at 15 at the running back position in these rankings um, as of Thursday afternoon. If you want to play him just for the interest, you can go for it. But I just wanted to point out that he is now listed actually as a quarterback, not a running back. And it could just be a personnel thing to get more uh, bodies and talented players on your depth chart and keep another running back, but just worth at least pointing out, in my opinion. Let's go over to wide receiver, which is by far going to be the hardest thing to project um, on a Thursday, right? So on a Thursday, a lot of this can change. On a Thursday, it can get a little bit interesting and weird. It already has since really Tuesday and Wednesday for wide receiver news. So we'll go through some of it. We'll go through the players that I had a lot of interest in, and now I don't have much interest in at all. We'll go through some of the guys that I have newfound interest in because of the depth charts that have come out and just some of the, the more stable players that I think you're going to see this week. So a couple things now. Um, the biggest thing is to continue, like I said, and it's like the fourth time I'm saying it, continue to watch for updates on my Twitter, wherever it might be. I have a list over there for XFL. Be sure to check in Saturday, the live stream. Do not set your lineups today as you're watching this or Friday, because depth charts are going to come out and things are going to change. You might end up starting a running back who's not even on the depth chart, like Lance Dunbar. You might end up starting a wide receiver who's now not the starter, but the number three or four, like potentially Rashad Ross. So be sure to watch all of that. So at wide receivers, I think the most stable piece right now, barring any crazy depth chart thing, which I'm not expecting, is that Sammy Coates and Cleo Lewis are going to be the one wide receiver one and two 
in Houston. Khalil Lewis was actually taken before Sammy Coates in the draft. Sammy Coates has been the most impressive player in camp from all the reports from their coaches and beat writers right now. These guys seem very stable, even with Philip Walker as their starting quarterback. I'm fine getting to honestly both of them. And it's a very good stack in my opinion. And the offense that should look the best. They have no tight ends. Sammy Coates is going to be the deep threat. One of the most experienced players in the league. 9,300 you're paying for, but I think there's a lot of ease, a lot of ways to easily get there, especially if you're going to play his quarterback with him, who's very cheap. Khalil Lewis, I expect to be on the other outside at 4,100. He looks like one of the best value plays right now on paper. Now, number three changed a lot for me. I had interest in Jads Ferguson. I had interest in Trey McBride. Both of those guys aren't even listed as starters. They're at best fourth or fifth options in their offense, at least on the depth charts, which kind of shocked me based on the hype we've been seeing out of Jads Ferguson in camp. Maybe it's just a depth chart thing and it'll change. Shocked me based on the hype we've seen out of Trey McBride and the fact that he was taken early and then traded for Rashad Ross, and now he's dropped a little bit. So very interesting there for me. So number three for me now is actually DeAndre Tompkins. And DeAndre Tompkins throughout the week, you saw in the, the first look video, I like Simi Cobbs a little bit. Then looking more into it, it seemed like, oh, DeAndre Tompkins and Simi Cobbs might be competing for the wide receiver two job on the outside in DC. Now I start to hear some news and, and look around in read that Rashad Ross has been practicing with some of the second unit. Rashad Ross did not have as much run really in the preseason game um, as some of these other guys and did not just really ended up being traded and not being as much of a fit, whatever it might be. At the very worst, DeAndre Tompkins looks like he's beating out Simi Cobbs right now on the outside for the wide receiver two job against Seattle with a fine quarterback throwing him the ball. He's only 4,600. Even if Rashad Ross is the wide receiver one, I don't want to pay 10-4 for it. So I think you're going to get DeAndre Tompkins without a doubt being on the field for a good amount of the time. Again, I'm trying to read between the tea leaves here, but I have him as my number three option right now at 4,600. It is sort of a risk. You can get Semi Cobbs, the bigger body receiver, and I have him listed right now right outside, right around my top 10 in interest, depending on who's listed as the starters. But keep a close eye on the DC Defenders depth chart if it comes out. If Tompkins is listed as a starter, I'll leave him in these top five. If he's not, well, then move up Semi Cobbs, move up some of the other guys on this list, Rashad Ross, if you would like at that point. LA's depth chart is out and Nelson Spruce is listed as the number one receiver. He profiles as it. He was their third round pick at 8,500. I would rather have Sammy Coates, but I think he's pretty secure at that point. Dallas's depth chart is out and Jeff Baddett is the number one receiver. Lots of other things are up in the air with their receivers right now. We talked about the big one being Jazz Ferguson, not listed as a starter. So what you have as the starters for Dallas is Jeff Bidette. In the slot, you have Flynn Nagel, who I actually had interest in before. Happy to see he secured that role right there. Not going to run a lot downfield, but pretty nice if he gets some volume. And then Freddie Martino, who I believe they actually traded for uh, this offseason, and he's listed as a wide receiver too. So at $3,000 flat, you're going to see a lot of wide receivers um, that potentially have starting upside. He is one of them now starting in an offense with a solid quarterback as long, and maybe not this week, but moving forward based on injury. Um, Cam Phillips, wide receiver three, likely to be in, in Houston, was taken also somewhat early in the draft, was the number three wide receiver taken by Houston. Um, again, they're going to use a ton of wide receivers. The number two wide receiver in the Houston offense, who is probably Khalil Lewis to start, is probably going to be the number one in most of these other offenses, which makes Cam Phillips have a lot of upside as a wide receiver three. T.O. Redding for New York is actually going to be um, right now projecting out as to be the number two wide receiver. If that's the case, I like him. Keep a close eye on it at 3,200. Yancey is injured. Like we said, he was their first pick in the draft. He is hurt. You're probably going to have Mikhail McKay start at the wide receiver one. Again, keep an eye on this, but he projects to be the wide receiver one. T.O. Redding reading right now at just 3,200 is projecting to be number two as two and a half point underdogs. Solid QB that you can pair him up with. I do like that. And now guys that I don't have ranked because look, they can either be guys I have interest in or none at all. Simi Cobbs, we touched on that. Keep an eye on where he's on the depth chart with DeAndre Tompkins. I'll be sure to tweet out all these depth charts and have them finally updated in the rankings. Um, 
have them updated in the rankings over on Patreon. Nick Trustell, he is he was taken number one by Tampa Bay. He's a tight end. He can be very good in this league at 6,900. It's a little bit risky though, because you don't know what to expect. Is he going to be a dominating tight end? They said they want to use him as a wide receiver, but it's yet to be seen. So keep an eye on him. Reese Horn, Adonis Jennings, Jalen Tolliver. These are all players recently, Horn and Tolliver for Tampa Bay that were recently named starters. Their price points, 3,400 and 3,200. So crazy how underpriced everybody's going to be as starting wide receivers. Jalen Tolliver for Tampa. Um, or Donis Jennings, I mean, for Los Angeles right now. Name the starter, $3,300. So insane how cheap these guys are. The starters for LA right now are looking like the main guys on the outside, Nelson Spruce and then Donis Jennings. For Tampa Bay, it looks like it's going to be a Nick Trustelli at tight end. And then it looks like it's going to be the main other starters, uh, Jalen Tolliver at that point, and then Reese Horn. So just very interesting as these guys are just so cheap. Um, other guys, Malachi Dupree for DC is also somebody that's name has been floating around next to DeAndre Tompkins as the week has gone on next to Simi Cobbs. So keep an eye on that. Eli Rogers is probably pretty secure into the slot role with DC, but it depends. We have to wait to see this depth chart. He's very expensive though at that price point. Not sure if I like it. Saeed Blacknall, who I had interest in in LA, deep down threat receiver, maybe later in the year will become more interesting, but he's not listed as a starter. Really hard to prioritize him at that point. So as I scroll down here, you can see um, some other guys that at the bottom of this, Keegan or Keenan Reynolds stands out a little bit. They're saying that he might be more of a gadgety player out there. Wide receiver one. We'll see what the depth chart says. But be sure to just check back with these depth charts. It's going to be very hard because I imagine you'll have somewhere between six and 10 starting wide receivers out of the 24 in the league that are going to be like in the 3K range or very close to flat minimum. I mean, on here, I already have somewhere around four or five. So choosing between those guys becomes really difficult. So choose the guys who are in good offenses, have good coaching staffs behind them, profile out at in a, a Vegas projection wise to be throwing more, profile to be in an offense that wants to throw more. Or you can just stick with what works right now. I think Khalil Lewis and Sammy Coates are the... Khalil Lewis, Sammy Coates, Nelson Spruce, Jeff Bidette seem like the most secure pieces that we have as of right now based on the depth charts that are out there. With that said, thank you everybody for tuning into this video. Um, Take two on this since a lot of news came out. I I wanted to make sure we had the most updated video I possibly could while I had the time to. Tomorrow on Patreon, I will have a a closing thoughts um, on Friday, probably around the afternoon or evening just to make sure we have most of the depth charts out. So be sure to check back in for that one. And then on Saturday, I will come back um, and be live here. So hit the subscribe button. Check out my Patreon if you are indeed interested. We'll start to have some content trickling out tomorrow for the XFL, NBA stuff every single day. Follow me on Twitter for make, to make sure you see the updates. And down below, I will pin up anything in the comments if something changes in a massive way. So no need to try and notify me. I will have it and be on that. So thank you so much. Hit the subscribe button before you go. You all rock. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.